Well, today, um, we're in the third part um, of our four-part series called Small Things, Big Difference. And I just want to say that, that, honestly, before we jump into this, that I believe that there's some that some would call a really very small principle, that there's something we're going to look at today that some people would say is a very, very small thing. But if we were to actually grasp it and to take it into our lives, that it could completely transform the trajectory of your life. It could completely transform not just the direction you're going in, but the depth of your life this morning. You see, I really do believe that small things can make a big difference a big difference to our lives. I mean, we've already heard about, um, week one we talked about a word for the year. Anyone do that? Hands up. Choose the word, yeah. I had already done that. I was like sitting going to Jason. I'd, I'd written a blog about it a couple of weeks before. So I was sitting listening to Jason that morning going saying, he's just stealing my idea, but actually he hadn't. But <clears throat> it wasn't our idea, it was God's idea. But hey, but I've been saying to him for two weeks, have you read my blog? He's like, no. He's like, read my blog, please. Please read my blog. Anyway, um, so my word for the year is faithful. I really sense the Lord just at the end of um, 2016, coming into January, just feeling the Lord saying to me, Michelle, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful this year, to give yourself to faithfulness, first of all, to Jason and your boys, and secondly, to the call that I've placed in your life, whatever that looks like. I want you to be faithful this year. I want you to learn and grow in your faithfulness. So that's my word for this year. I think that's a pretty pretty big task. And already I've had to realign some things, even this week, where I'm just thinking, hold on a minute, am I doing that? Am I actually already in January living that way, or am I starting to go back to my old patterns? So sometimes it just takes a small wee redirection to put you back, back on track. And so often we look at people at we look at people around us, don't we? And um, it's so easy to play the comparison game. We look at other people and we just think that their lives are all together, don't we? We always think people's lives are better than ours. We, we don't actually see the, the brokenness and all that there. We just, it's always like we look at everyone else with rose-tinted glasses, but we look at ourselves in a completely negative way. And the whole comparison trap is such a dangerous thing where we're always comparing ourselves to other people, but we fall short all the time. We are always the ones that fall short. And sometimes we look at people and we think they have accomplished such great big things. And we wonder, how did they do that? But the key is not the big things that they did. The key is normally, usually, almost always, it's the small things that they did consistently that actually have brought a big difference about in their life. Last week, Jason told it to you about your thoughts. And why your thoughts matter so much. Because our thoughts influence our words. Our thoughts influence our words and our words influence our actions. And our actions become our habits and our habits create our destiny. It's the small things that impact our life in a really big way. And today I want to talk about the power of our words. And right at the very start, I have to confess that I don't always do this well. I feel the need to confess that one of my friends is laughing at me, but it's true. Um, in fact, if you'd been in our living room yesterday evening, Jason and I were having a discussion, in inverted commas, a small row, <laughs> and uh, he helpfully reminded me about what I was going to be speaking about this morning. That really helped the row. <laughs> yeah, so I actually do feel the need to confess that this is something that I struggle with. It is something that I think all of us, if we're honest, we struggle with the power that our words hold. 
for good and for bad. And I want to talk about the power of our words. And, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And whenever God created the world, he did it with a spoken word. He spoke, and all of this came into being with just a word. That never, ever stops to blow my mind. Never ceases to blow my mind. That with one word, there was nothing. With one word, God spoke into a void, into the nothingness, and all of a sudden, there was. Words are incredibly powerful. Solomon said it like this, Proverbs 18:21. the tongue has massive power. So say it with me. The tongue has the power of life and death. Say it again. The tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, the words we speak can be life-given or the words we speak can be life-taken. Every single time. We can speak life-given words, or we can, take, we can speak words that take away, that strip away from people. If you want to change your life, if you want to change the life that you have, then you need to change the words you speak. If I want to change the life I have, then I need to change the words that I speak. Because small things, small things, and the words that we speak can make a big difference in the life that we live. In fact, James said this a long time before I did. And if you're not a church person, if you're not um, accustomed to, to knowing who everyone is in the Bible, and you're not alone here, not everyone knows who everyone is in the Bible, isn't that fair enough? Yes, let's see a nod of heads. James was actually Jesus' brother. And some people, some scholars believe that James was actually the best evidence of the divinity of Christ. Because imagine this, now I don't have any brothers or sisters, but I, I mean, I would, I would imagine it would take an awful lot of convincing for Caleb to convince Micah or Matthew that he is God. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. So for Jesus to convince James that he was the son of God, that's pretty, really strong evidence right there, isn't it? Like he lived with him. He was his brother. All of you who have brothers and sisters, I'm sure you can completely identify with that. If James thought Jesus was the son of God, then we can take that as pretty good evidence. And this is what James, the brother of Jesus, said in chapter, James chapter 3, the book of James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. And he talked about in this passage how small things can make a difference. And he said, we can make a what size of a horse? What does it say? A large horse go wherever we want by means of a what? A small bit in the mouth. And then he goes on to say, and he says, you can take a huge ship. The next verse, is it on there? No. Oh, sorry, it is on there. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. A small thing turning around a huge thing. Small things make a big difference. And then he continues on. He says, in the same way, the tongue is what? It's a small thing that makes great boasts. 
or it's a small thing that makes grand speeches. I like that translation. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Small things, great difference. We have a choice. We can speak life-given words or we can speak life-taken words. For example, if you show me a marriage that is struggling, I can guarantee that you'll see a lot of life-taken words in it. On the other hand, if you show me a marriage that is thriving and doing well, I can promise you that there's going to be an abundance of life-given words in that marriage. You think about someone who you don't really enjoy being around. What makes the somebody who makes you feel small and unimportant? It could be your boss. It could be someone else in your life. It could be a family member or whatever. But it's the fact that they're always tearing you down, that every time you come away from them, you just feel like you've been torn down again. You just feel like you've been battered again and again. On the other hand, do you have people in your life that build you up? I am so blessed to have people in my life that build me up. That every time I come away from them, I feel like I'm walking another couple of inches taller. I wish it could be a few inches thinner, but anyway, that doesn't know how it works. But I come away and I feel, that I'm, I feel like I'm walking taller. I feel built up. I feel more positive. I feel better about my circumstances. I feel better about my situation. And if the difference is, the difference in those two scenarios are simply life-given words or life-taking words. Solomon, he was the wisest man who ever lived, according to the Bible. And he contrasted many times in the book of Proverbs between life-given and life-taking words. And let's look at two of them. Proverbs 12, 18, he said, The words of the reckless, what do they do? They pierce like swords. They pierce like swords. Ever been pierced with somebody's words? I bet every single one of us have. But the words of the wise do what? brings healing. The words of the wise bring healing. They bring healing. Proverbs 15, 4 says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. It's life-given, but on the other hand, a perverse tongue, what does it do? It crushes the spirit. I don't know how many of you have had your spirit crushed by life-taking words. Right now, I want to pray for us. Right now, this is one of these moments where I feel the Holy Spirit stepping in. Just right where you are, close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Father, right now, right across this room, I ask you to bring healing to those wounds. Lord, bring healing to those wounds of those piercing words that have cut right through. Father, I ask for your healing. Yeah. God, help us to forgive. But we know to be completely set free that we need you to come and heal us. Lord, I break the power of those words in this room right now. In your name, Jesus, I break the power of those words that have been spoken, that have pierced, that have caused damage, that have caused deep, deep hurt. God, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Amen. Mm. 
See, sometimes it's small things. Sometimes it's just a throwaway comment that can just wreck your day. Like you get your hair done, and somebody comes up to you and goes, what did you do to your hair? My goodness, look at it. And you're thinking, well, I thought it was nice. Just spent a lot of money on my hair, and now you're telling me it's awful. Or this is, the, this is an awful one, and I have actually heard people say this to friends of mine that are still single, saying, you're still not married. It's like I can feel their pain. I am like sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, can I hit them? Because if you don't hit them, I'm going to, because like, that's just like the most awful thing you could say, you know. Or, you know, let's even go a bit deeper. What about, I can't stand you. I found someone else. I never loved you anyway. You're pathetic. I wish I never had you. Life taking words pierce like a sword. And they absolutely crush the spirit. On the other hand, many of you have been blessed by life-giving words. I'm proud of you. You're the best. Or I'd marry you all over again. You're my dream come true. These are all the things, of course, Jason says to me all the time. (laughs) Or I'm so thankful that I got to be your mummy. Or I'm so grateful that you're my parents. Or I'm so thankful that you're my friend and God brought you into my life. What about those words? How do those make us feel? They're healing to the soul, aren't they? Because those words, those life-given words, they have more power, I believe, than the negative. Because that's me. I'm, I am glass half full person. And I also believe in the power of good that outweighs way more the power of evil. So when you speak those life-given words over people, do you know what you're doing? You're diffusing the power of the life-taking words that have already been spoken over that person. You're realigning something. You're putting it the right way up again in their life. Um, with our boys, I try really hard at this. And I, they're here. You can verify with them. I don't always get it right. But I try to be intentional. Jason and I try to be intentional about speaking life-giving words over them. I tell them that I love them often. I tell them I'm proud of them. I say thank you when they do something for me. Not always, but I do try to remember and do that. I say sorry when I'm wrong. I admit when I'm wrong and they're right, and that's a really difficult one. I call out the gold in them. I tell them what I see in them when they don't see it themselves. And sometimes I've had to realign and readjust things other people have spoke over them, where they've come home when they're broken and they're bruised and they're pierced by words that have been spoke over them, and I have to speak truth instead and realign it again. And that's all the good bit. Sorry, lads, I'm, I'm going I'm to say something they're probably not going to like, but hey, they'll forgive me. But have you ever been in a season with your kids' parents where you just feel like all you do is criticize? Or if you're not a parent, maybe you're in a season with this with somebody else in your life that you really love, a really close friend, or your parents, or whatever, or your spouse, or your partner, or someone in your life, and you just go through a season, and sometimes you just feel like, honestly, all you could do is criticize. Or is that just me? Maybe that's just my problem. And the thing is, it feels in that moment like you're totally justified. It feels like it's your job to point out every single thing that they're doing wrong because if you don't, then they're just going to keep on doing these things wrong and the next thing they're going to end up in prison or something in your head. 
you know, have you tidied your room? Quickly becomes, you never tidy your room. To quickly becomes, you're lazy. Or pick up your shoes, stop leaving your stuff anywhere. Have you done your chores? Have you done your homework? Have you applied for that job you were supposed to apply for? Or whatever, and it goes on and on. And you're in this crazy cycle of just constantly feeling that you just need to criticize and realign and bring things to attention. And you just get caught up in this swirl of it all the time. And sometimes it's just really exhausting and at the same time all you can see is the behavior doesn't get better the behavior gets worse so this is what I do the Lord has taught me this this is not my idea this was completely him one time I was tearing my hair out I intentionally say myself I force myself to say encouraging things and I only allow myself to criticize one thing a day I don't do this every day just let me say just only when we're in those crazy seasons I wish I could say I do it all the time but you know what happens when I do this with each and every one of the four men in my life, including G Jason? It has completely changed the atmosphere in our home. It has completely changed the atmosphere in our home where I have to bite my tongue. Sometimes I have to go into the utility room and close the door and scream into the pile of clothes. I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm like, no, one thing today, just one thing I'm going to criticize, but I'm going to find more to encourage. And you know what happens? It shifts everything. It shifts it. You see, there's something about the power of life-giving words that, that sometimes we just miss. And right now, if you are age 25 or under, I want you to stand up. Claire Hayes is in your definitely not 25. Don't you dare stand up. Yeah. There's some things I want to say to you guys. First of all, you are a great, great bunch of people. I am sick and tired of the criticism of the younger generation. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of turning on the TV and reading articles about millennials and this, that, and the other. And do you know what? The future is good. And I am fully confident in our future because of you guys. Because what I see is I see a generation that is coming up that is asking the hard questions. I see a generation that's rising up that is not content with injustices all around the world and in their lives and in the world all around them. I see a generation that's rising up that is single-mindedly focused on Jesus. And it may not look like how our single-mindedly focused on Jesus looks like, but these guys love Jesus and they love the people around them and they're determined, determined to live their lives for him. So I want to honor you this morning. And I want to say keep on keeping going on and you know every time somebody in my generation criticizes you or makes you feel like you're, just because you're not doing it our way that you're doing it wrong don't listen to them because God has a plan and a purpose for your generation to do things way differently that you're going to reach your people you're going to reach your generation in a way that I could never ever do that and the rest of us in this room could never do it because God has a specific call on your lives that's just for you and for your generation so, Father God, would Holy Spirit, would you fall on them, God? Would you let these words encourage them right down to the depth of their souls right now? Father, we are so thankful and grateful for this generation. Father, help us to be their greatest cheerleaders. Lord, that we would always cheer them on. 
that we would always encourage them, that we would find words of life to speak into them instead of words that would take from them. Jesus, bless them. Amen. You can sit down. See, we all thrive on encouraging words. It does something to us. That's how we're wired. So what I want you to do is, uh, you did a thought audit last week. I want you to do a thought, a, a word audit this week. So really quickly, between one and ten, I want you to think for a moment how life-given or life-taking your words are to other people. And I'm not going to ask you to share your number with anyone. You can either write it down, you can take out your phone and put it in your notes, or if you're really a uh, good memory, you can just keep it in your head. But if, if one is someone who is constantly criticizing and constantly tearing down, then 10 is someone who never, ever, ever does that and is constantly speaking words of life over people. So, you know, it could be, you didn't do a good job. Your room's a mess. I can't stand that. You're driving me nuts. You might be on the scale of more two, three, four. Or, you know, I really appreciate you. You're really great at this. You really helped me. Just being around you, you might be seven, eight, nine on the scale. So just give yourself, just for a moment, give yourself a number on that sliding scale from one to ten of the life-given words that you, that you speak to other people. Have you done it? Yeah. And then let's talk about our words to ourselves. Are your words to yourself more life-taken or more life-given. I want you to think about this inner tape in your head. What do you say to yourself? When you go to do something, do you say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow this up. I'm rubbish at this. I'm never going to be able to do this. Do you get up in the morning and your first thought is, oh, I'm going to fail today again. Do you get up, do you, when you're... Uh, approach a relationship with somebody are you nervous do you think i'm going to say the wrong thing i'm going to do the wrong thing you know are you constantly second guessing yourself are you constantly criticizing everything you do are you thinking i always get it wrong any of that kind of language then you're going to be more near the one in the scale on the other hand maybe you get up in the morning you say today's a new day and i am ready for it god is with me He's going to bless me, and I am so thankful for this day, and there's nothing that's going to come in my way that I can't handle. Then you're up at the higher end of the scale. So give yourself a number in that. The inner voice, the, the stuff that goes on in your head, what are, you, what are you saying there? You got your two numbers? Right. Now, I do want you to respond with this one, but give me a show of hands. How many of you was the number more negative for the words that you spoke over yourself than over other people. Yeah. That's exactly what I expected. Where you're sore on yourself, way, way, way sore on ourselves than we are with other people. Okay, well, then, today, all of us, if we're less, we've scored a 10 on both, and I don't, ask, don't think I need to ask for anyone to put their hand up on that, because I doubt there's anyone in here that got a 10 for the words spoken and 10 for the words inside your own head. So I've got something for us. I've got some rules for us, some very, very, very powerful rules about life-giving words that actually could help us. And the first one is, 
And I'm going to sound like a mum, like the mum that I am, with no apologies about this. Because mummies are right everywhere when they say this. If you can't say something helpful, don't say it at all. How many of us say that? How many of us heard that? Yes. If you can't say something helpful, don't say it at all. Or my favourite thing that I say in our house, I say, not everything needs to be said. That was that. That's because I live in a house full of very opinionated people. No idea where they get it from. But anyway, if you can't say something helpful, don't say it at all. Apostle Paul says it like this, Ephesians 4.29. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what kind of talk? The kind of talk that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm going to read that again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ouch. I'm convicted. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You see, some of us, if we were just to take this verse today and apply it to our lives, it would transform all our relationships. Wouldn't it? I know it would transform mine. Now, you're not allowed to elbow the person beside you and say, are you listening to this? I can't do that because Jason's not here today. But I, <laughs> that would be my temptation. Are you listening to this? You sure you're not listening to this? No, I'm talking to you. If you can't say something that's helpful, that's encouraging, that's beneficial, then zip it. Shut it. Close it. Keep it to yourself. Do not say it. Simple. Got it? Great. Number two. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. Oh my goodness, this is a rule that I think if we were to apply this one, it truly would transform our lives. How many of us have been somewhere? This is a simple thing. How many of us have been somewhere? We've been to a restaurant or we've been um, somewhere, staying over somewhere, and we've had an amazing experience, and we ever bothered to fill out the comment card? Now, when I'm away and I've had a terrible experience, I'm looking for the comment card. And I'm on TripAdvisor and all that. They're given off. But like how, you know, how many of us seek out ways to say good? If you think it, say it. And I think in our culture, it's really difficult. I think we're really, it's not that we don't want to. I think we don't know how to. Honestly, I think in Northern Ireland, I think that we're a wee bit afraid of saying something. We think, are they, what are they going to think of me? They're going to think I'm weird if I start saying all this nice, positive stuff to them. Or, or we're just so self-conscious that we just don't know how to get the words out. If you think it, say it. Proverbs 16.24 says this. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Gracious words, kind words, encouraging words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Solomon doesn't say gracious thoughts are like honeycomb. He says gracious words, gracious words. 
You see, there's no point me standing here thinking. Alan Cummings, I could be standing here thinking that you're a great guy, which you are. But if I don't say it, you don't know it. There's not any of us have the whole power of like reading each other's minds. Is there any of you in here can do that? I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I would be. You see, we need to speak it out. We need to speak the words out. Yes, our thoughts are powerful. Yes, our thoughts are important. But there's some of them that we just need to get out. And those are the good and the powerful and the encouraging ones. I'm so thankful for my parents. My mom and dad are here today. I'm going to embarrass them. But um, I want to honor them as well. There's not one day growing up that my mom and dad didn't tell me they loved me. Every single day. Even on the days when I was a wee skitter. And even on the days now when I'm a big skitter. Every single day. Every phone call. Every time I see them, they tell me they love me. Now, they could have grown up, I could have grown up with them just thinking that and even acting like that, which is a good thing because they didn't just say it, they act in a way that shows me that they love me. But what it meant is them telling me is I have grown up with this knowledge that I am deeply, deeply loved. Always. I've never doubted it. Not for one moment have I ever doubted how much my mom and daddy love me every single day. And do you know what that's done for me? That has given me a confidence in my heavenly father that he loves me just like that. But if they didn't show me that and model me that, it would have been harder for me to believe what God's love looked like. We need to hear it. Jason Sometimes he, he drives me nuts, and I, I absolutely love him, but you can understand that. I'm sure all of you can understand that. But um, there's something about being married to Jason for 20 years that I really love about him, and something that he's done for me is that Jason has this absolute belief that I can do anything. Seriously. Richard, you've been there when I fixed the bike, haven't you? Yep, yeah, Richard's seen it. Jason just totally believes something goes wrong, something's broken, something needs a solution. He just always thinks that I'm going to be able to fix it. And he has this saying... And he says, the day Michelle was beat, she wasn't there. <laughs> and he's talking about my absolute refusal to give up. I think there, there, my belief is there's a solution to everything. There has to be a solution to everything. We just haven't found it yet. But the thing is, 20 years ago, I didn't know that about myself. Genuinely, I had no idea. I would never have said that about myself. But for 20 years, in every situation, the more complex and the more difficult, it's just like he just looks at me as if he's just waiting for me to come up with a solution. But what it's done is it means that when I'm facing difficult, complex things, and even when he's not there, I believe I can find a solution. Words are so powerful. They are so powerful. Here's your homework this week. When you think of something good, send a text, post the comment, write the letter, make the phone call, get in the car, go to the person and tell them every single time. That's your homework this week. Don't just think it. Don't just think that was a lovely thing. Pick up the phone, take out, you know, send the text, send the note, 
tell the people in your life, whether they're close to you or whether it's someone that you meet randomly on the street, whether it's someone who serves you a cup of coffee and it's the nicest cup of coffee you've ever had, tell them. Tell them. Encourage them. Don't ever hold a blessing back. I'm going to say that again. Don't ever, ever hold a blessing back. Every time you think it, say it. And not just the other people. Say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. Because if you look at your word audit, if you look at that sliding scale of the words you speak to yourself, you're saying so many negative things to yourself over and over. And it's time to take on the example of David. And I love David. I love reading about David in, in the scriptures. And it's, there's this one time when he was worried that he was going to be stoned. His life was in danger. And he spoke life-giving words to himself. He said this. It says in the Bible, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. See, every now and again, I need to preach to myself. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I need to preach to myself and I need to say, God, you're going to give me faith for this. God, I believe your hand is on me. God, you know, the circumstances are a bit messed up right now, but I believe that all things will work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Every now and again, I need to speak words of encouragement to myself. I need to speak, I need to preach to myself words of life and affirmation so that I can encourage myself in the Lord. Two things this morning that I want us to go away with. Two things. You don't always have to say it. If it's not life-given, if you know that your words are going to pierce someone right to their heart, don't say it. Don't say it. Now, I'm not talking about speaking the truth in love. That's a whole different conversation. And that's speaking truth in love. But I'm talking about those times when you know your words are going to land and they're going to land hard. And we all know those times, don't we, if we're honest? Don't say them. Sip it. Close the mouth. Sometimes I have to physically sit with my hand over my mouth. I do this sometimes when I know I just need to not speak. Because I'm like, keep the words in. But here's the second thing. Don't hold back a blessing. Don't ever hold back a blessing from someone. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Build up. Beg up. Pick up the phone. Send the text. Get in the car and go round and tell people as awkward a conversation as it is, and I'm hoping, I want to hear about all your awkward conversations this week. I don't care how awkward it is. I don't care how your words stumble out. It doesn't matter if your spelling's atrocious and the text message is barely readable. It doesn't, none of that matters, but I want you to speak life-given words into others this week, and it will change your life, and it will change their lives. Don't hold back a blessing. There's some of you this morning, and God has brought you here today, not by any accident. There's no accident that you're here. It's no coincidence. And he wants to speak some words over you. And he wants to say that you're loved, that there is nothing in your past 
that can stop you from connecting with him. There is nothing. That, those words, those, that song we sang earlier about covered, there is nothing that his love and his grace and his mercy can't cover. There's nothing you've done that he can't forgive. That's what the cross is all about. He wants you to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That when you were in your mother's womb, that you were no accident, no matter what you were told. You were no accident. But that he formed you and he pieced you together and he breathed not just this breath of life, but he, dream, he breathed dreams and plans for your life into that space. That he loves you, that he is for you, and that he has good for you in your life. That's what he wants you to know this morning. And there's some of you here today and you haven't yet said yes to Jesus. That you've been on this journey of thinking, what is this all about? You know, what is this about? People are talking about, you know, giving their lives to Jesus or becoming Christians or being saved or whatever the, whatever the terminology is. And all you know is that there's this, this stirring inside you. And there's this longing for something more. And there's this longing for life to make sense. And there's this sense of you wanting to, you want to break away from this sense of shame that you carry and this sense of, of failure and defeat that you just seem to follow you around everywhere you go. And what I want to say to you this morning is that Jesus is here for you right now.